This podcast has been brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast. I'm Tom Santralaya and I'm joined by Robert Olster and Isabel Albaran. Hello. Hello to you both. Uh, well, it has been an absolute roller coaster uh, of a month so far uh, and all sorts of market music moving news stories. So let's kick off with the big one. Uh, Robert, I'll start with you. Hugely complex situation, but in a nutshell, can you explain to me what's going on in the banking sector and should we be concerned? So... No, I don't think we should be overly concerned, actually, at this point. That's good. Um, and what's been going on has to be set, I think, against the context of years of low interest rates. Mm. And now we've seen interest rates go up, and that is causing stresses, and including in the bank. So we started off with Silicon Valley Bank um, in the US, and basically it had a mismatch in its assets and liabilities. So when depositors started moving money away from it, it had trouble funding that, and that caused a collapse. And then we saw Signature Bank in New York go, and then the issue sort of moves across the water to Europe. But in Credit Suisse's case, far larger systemic bank, it's completely different. You know, I've been following Credit Suisse for 20-plus <laughs> years, and it's been declining. It's been making poor loan decisions, lots of other issues numerous restructurings so you know from 0708 the share price is off some 80 or 90 percent so what we saw happen in recent weeks was if you like sort of the beginning of the end or the end of the end um, and we saw outflows in the fourth quarter we saw further restructuring and that then led to the shotgun marriage of Credit Suisse and UBS mm. and then the regulators came in and said we're going to stop and prevent um, this rolling forward. So that's the reasons behind what we've seen right. um, in Europe. So that's some of the reasons about why we're not overly concerned. We think it's a crisis that's been averted. Unrelated to the, the US regional issues. Going which, had, which happened for different reasons, very different I mean, reasons. it's all conjuring up horrible memories of 2008. Um, Isabel, do you, do you think this is a similar situation or, or are we looking at something different? I think, you know, Robert's kind of drawn out some of the key differences, which is in response to the global financial crisis, we did get a huge amount of new regulation. Now, mm. SVB, because it was a small bank, it wasn't sub subject to all of those regulations. Okay. And that's one of the reasons um, why they ended up in, in such a pickle. Um, you know, more reassuringly, um, in Europe and in the UK, and, you know, in sort of the larger US banks, we do have much better capitalization than we did before, um, you know, not reliant on the interbank lending market. Um, there is tighter regulation. So um, I think that um, certainly has given uh, 
regulators, including the Bank of England, much more confident. Yeah, and I'd also add that um, speaking to someone who lived the whole global financial crisis, the regulators are acting really, mm. really yeah. quickly. Yeah, They've learned a lot of lessons from 07, yeah. 08. So as well as the um, capital buffers and extra liquidity that Isabel's referring to, there's just a speed of action and awareness that they do not want to repeat yeah. what happened back no then. sacrificial lamb like Lehman Brothers or and, and in Switzerland, like we even had the law change to facilitate such a speedy response. Yeah. So what, clearly banking stocks have been hit really hard, massive amounts of volatility. So too have bonds. They've been very, very volatile. Why has that happened? So bonds, the movement has not been uniform. Certainly bank bonds mm -hmm. have suffered. Um, overall, sort of sovereign bonds sort of safer bonds have actually seen their their yields falling so the price of those has increased and i think that reflects perhaps a little bit um people preferring a safer asset mm -hmm. perhaps slightly weaker expectations about the economy um all of those factors there's been one category of bonds that has obviously been hit most for and that is these 81 bonds yeah, um, yeah. these were the specific bonds that in the instance of credit suisse the shock was that they were what got written down first instead of equity, which is not what we normally see. And, you know, obviously that caused people to question whether this was going to be happening more widely. Uh, regulators and other um, around the world have come out and said, no, we would not do this. And, you know, if you look at the prospectus, the, the contract that the holders of these bonds agreed to, it did actually say that this was a thing that they could do. Mm. So I think sort of that additional clarity, um, you know, these 81s, they fell quite a lot. We have now seen some recovery in, in price and in the confidence in these assets. So once again, that's very specific to what's happening in, in Switzerland yes. uh, and their management of that additional tier one capital, which yes. ironically was introduced post 2008 as a means of absorbing potential losses in the banking system. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what's going on there. Now, with all of this going on in the in the banking sector, were you surprised to see the Fed raise interest rates? Um, not really. But um, I, th I think, you know, you've, you've raised a really good point. So if we think back to before banking was all we talked about <laughs> for a couple of weeks, you know, we've seen uh, economic data be really strong, um, you know, certainly since the start of the year. And, you know, for that reason, people were expecting to certainly see more tightening from the Fed and, you know, potentially more tightening than we, we did in the NC. In the end, we got a quarter percentage point raise in the interest rate. Mm -hmm. um, but... I think this the banking situation, it's raised two things. First of all, we're expecting to see a tightening of credit conditions. These banks are under much more scrutiny from shareholders, from regulators. Yeah. So, um, you know, that disincentivizes taking risks. And then secondly, um, you know, it, it is the fact that we've seen higher interest rates that to some degree has caused some of this pressure. So uh, the Fed, I think, cautious on the outlook for growth and the need for more tightening. It's very unclear how much credit conditions will, will slow. But in addition, um, I think that they want to sort of maybe slow the pace, see these interest rates work through the economy before they do more. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a juggling act, isn't mm. it? They've got to juggle 
with issues about the banking crisis, but the economy is slowing and they're trying to combat inflation. So there's many different sort of moving parts or balls in the air. And they're moving um, really. at different speeds, of course. And they're moving at different well. speeds. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Monetary right. policy takes months, almost years to feed through. Exactly. Long and variable lags. There we go, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and uh, does, do we think we've got to peak rates then? given that they've slowed down. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that inflation is coming down. I mean, there's different components of it. There's sort of food inflation, energy inflation. But given that we're anniversarying those really high energy prices, we think, yes, inflation, uh, the interest rates have peaked. If Sorry, inflation has peaked and interest rates are going to come down to follow. So, yeah, that would be our view. And is it the same in the UK? Because we got that sort of surprise reading came through from the February data. Is that, uh, is that the case? Is that an anomaly? Um, so I think in general, inflation is coming down globally because there are some global reasons why. Um, one of them is energy. We had really dramatic rises last year. So sort of maths basically mean that it's, it's that component is very likely to be detracting from inflation this year. Um, so that's at a global level. Thinking more specifically about the UK, you're completely right. We did have a shock surprise in February of a rise, so 10.4%. But in part, that was because, if you recall, there was a shortage of salad items. Mm, I do recall. <laughs> Couldn't get a cucumber for love nor money. That pushed up prices. Um, so that food component was supporting inflation. Within the basket, I don't think that food component is likely to be especially persistent, but what the Bank of England might take a bit more seriously is the fact that services inflation is still really strong. And that relates to the fact that wage growth is still pretty strong. It has weakened a little bit. But, you know, wage growth is still strong and the labour market remains quite tight. So I think for that reason, because of those more sort of long lasting effects, uh, whilst hopefully we're close to the peak of interest rates, it could be a little bit longer in the UK before we start seeing cuts coming through. Okay, fair enough then. So what about the implications of all this? What's the investment implications, mm. Robert? Well, I guess one of the first things is that um, the banking sector is going to see more regulation. Mm -hmm. After this, there's going to be increased scrutiny. And, mm. and normally when that happens, there's lower returns. So I think you know, that's one investment in implication. The banking sector in itself. the banking sector in particular, and that will have a knock-on effect to the valuations of other financials as well. Um, wider looking at other sectors that then depends on the economic outlook and we are expecting a slowdown um a, a more gentle slowdown than perhaps everyone was expecting you know sort of six 12 months ago yes. and so that then you've got to sort of position yourself perhaps in a more defensive way really given that now at the moment our asset allocation is um our asset allocation is neutral in terms of equities fixed income and alternatives, and mm -hmm. I think that's quite a logical place to be, given all the uncertainties we've discussed. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, look, guys, thank you very much. That's been really helpful to add a lot of clarity to uh, quite quite a complicated area, but uh, always fascinating to speak with you guys. Let's close off with a stat, as we always do. Robert, I think it's your turn this time around. Yeah, the stat I've got is um, the combined assets under management of now the to be merged UBS and Credit Suisse is around 700 uh, billion Swiss francs. And that happens to equate almost exactly to the output of the Swiss economy for one year. The whole economy. Wow. The whole economy, yeah. There we go. Well, look, thanks very much, guys. I look forward to speaking to you next month. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.